You are listening to the Financial Clarity for Doctors podcast by Finity Group, LLC, where we discuss the pertinent financial planning topics facing physicians and other medical professionals. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC. And now, here are your hosts, Rochelle Vanderzanden and Corey Janoff. Welcome back to Financial Clarity for Doctors, everyone. This is Rochelle Vanderzanden here with Corey Janoff. Hello. Hi. We're going to cover a little bit of a more serious topic today. Um, I think everyone in life sometimes experiences something like unexpected and maybe sad. And I had that kind of experience this past week where one of the mothers of one of my, my preschoolers' classmates passed away unexpectedly. And it's it's definitely one of those situations where you feel kind of helpless, like there's not a whole lot that you can do to to make their life easier in, in such a tragic time. But it also makes you think some more selfish thoughts about like, what if that happened to me? Like, how would my family be able to deal with that? And, you know, we've talked a lot about things like estate planning and life insurance. And those are the things that I feel like my family is, is rather well prepared for because of the job that I'm in. So, you know, we've done a really good job with that part of it. And at the same time, I had this moment where I was like, what would I want my husband Nick to have to be able to like deal with those kinds of things easily and quickly and not have to give it a whole lot of thought? Because honestly, that's the last thing that you want to worry about when you experience something like this. Like you want to be able to focus on your friends and your family and and dealing with a pretty big emotional trauma and not have to worry about a ton of financial stuff. And I realized that like I want a cheat sheet for him. I want him to have a cheat sheet where he can just look at something very simple, make a few phone calls to get some things going, and then not think about that again for a while. Like that's what I want for him. So we're going to just talk a little bit today about like maybe some things we want to have in place in case that worst case scenario happens, but then also like what do you do if it happens? Like what are the, the first steps that you need to take? What can you kind of put on the back burner for a little while? What can we like just revisit a little bit later after we've taken care of ourselves and taken care of our family? So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today, a little bit of a sad topic. If you want to skip this one, I don't blame you, but <laughs> but hopefully it's helpful for some people just to to feel like they can prepare a plan for their family members too if something if something did happen to them. And I know, Corey, you have some yeah. stories too, right? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, add to what you just said, and, and maybe if it's not, if you're not in the mood for this, skip it, but come back to it at some point, because <laughs> yeah. it's it's an important topic and something that we're all um, going to have to deal with at some point uh, in time. Hopefully not for a long time, and it's just, you know, burying our parents when they're 110 years old, you know, because they finally kicked the bucket. But, you know, some of you already have, have experienced family members, friends, relatives, um, you know, people in your life who, who have passed away unexpectedly. And it's just inevitable. It's it's bound to happen, you know, to the majority of us at some point. Um, so just knowing what to do, or at least having a, a, a loose idea of, of where to go and how and how to handle things um, so that you're not just scrambling around while emotions are running high. And uh, 
and yeah, this stuff comes up with time from time to time with us. You know, obviously in our industry, you know, we work with a lot of clients, and you know, it happens to clients too from time to time, and and we've got to help them sort through it. So maybe we're more privy to to what people deal with than, than others who haven't actually experienced it firsthand. Um, you know, a few years back, one of our one of our partners, he, you know, one of his clients' uh, husbands passed away, um, leaving her and a young child and an unborn child you know, behind. So, you know, that was kind of a, an eye-opening experience. And then, you know, a year or two later, his brother committed suicide and they had a close family friend, um, who I think it was her boyfriend. It was like a murder-suicide that made some local news headlines and, uh, left two kids behind without parents, essentially. Um, so from that, you know, the, he distributed some documents to us of like that bullet points and action items for what to do if, if these types of things happen, you know, what's urgent, what can wait, you know, and, and all the things you need to think of. And, um, we'll see if we can link to some resources for you guys, if you want the, the long expanded form, but maybe just bullet point a few of the high notes, um, and, and like Rochelle said, I think the first thing that's probably beneficial for everyone is just have a short one page document that you and your spouse, you know, or family, people who, who, who need access to it, know where it is, whether it's taped to the side of the fridge or, or in the safe in your, uh, house, you know, wherever you want to keep it, um, but just list the, the important stuff, the contact information for the attorney, the financial advisor, you know, where do you have your various accounts held at? Um, if you've already made kind of plans for where you want to be buried or cremated or whatever, you know, the contact information for the funeral home, things of that nature, just kind of the short, the, the, the phone number for your employer, um, you know, the school, the, you know, those things so that, that people can contact the necessary parties in the immediate aftermath. And I think the first order of operations is is just get in touch with family and friends, the school, work, make sure people know what's going on, and, and so you can take some time off, and uh, the kids can can get away from school for for whatever you guys need to do, and then the rest of it can wait until the dust settles, like updating accounts to remove the deceased's name from it, you know, updating the bills and the mortgage payment, you know, filing social security benefits, life insurance claims, um, you know, all the, the, the stuff that ultimately has to be taken care of, um, but, but doesn't need to happen like that week. It could happen a few weeks later or a month or two later. And one thing I was thinking for, for my short list is just putting a couple of names of professionals that we're involved with <clears throat> that can kind of get some of that stuff going on your behalf. You know, if you mm -hmm. have an estate plan, make sure you have the attorney's information because they can get some things going while you're not even thinking about it. Just letting them take a little bit off of your plate is very helpful. And the other person is either, if you have a financial advisor, definitely that person, or at least the agent that helped you with your insurance policies. Like if you're not dealing with someone actively, there's still someone that helped you get that insurance policy. If you can just contact them so that they can get some things going for you, like that's one phone call 
instead of maybe several different phone calls that you have to make dealing with different insurance companies. And there's going to be some forms you have to sign and things like that. But the less that you have to think about and try to plan for at that point in time, the better. So if there are people that are involved in your financial plan, let them take some of that off of your shoulders or let them take some of that off of your spouse's shoulders. Like make sure that you're putting them in touch with with those folks if if they can or if, if they're available. So that was a big thing that I was thinking about. Like I didn't want Nick to have to wade through <laughs> the life insurance, yes. you know, all the different kind of stuff. But Yeah, the more you can rely on others, obviously the professionals, if you're working actively with a CPA and a financial advisor, which we're biased, we would encourage all of you <laughs> to do. Um, and yeah, yeah, uh, uh, pass off those responsibilities. And even, you know, some close family and friends who are coming to your uh, aid to help out in, in that time of need, um, you know, pass some responsibilities off to them, you know, make them contact the funeral home or, you know, reach out to the school, the work and everything, you know, whatever you can offload uh, to to relieve some of the stress in what will undoubtedly be a very stressful time for you. Um, and don't feel guilty doing it, you know, you'd do the same for them if, if the roles were reversed, so. Definitely. Um, anything else in the like immediate aftermath um, that we should touch on here, Rochelle? I think the HR department was one other thing. Like you already mentioned, getting in touch with someone's employer, but just having a contact for someone in the HR department that can also help you with other benefit stuff because there will be things like you know probably a work and retirement plan, probably a life insurance policy, maybe some other insurance policies. So if they can kind of get the ball rolling on some of that for you, again, while you're hopefully not thinking about it, that that would likely be very helpful. So that that's one other one that I would put on the short list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then once the dust settles, you know, there's definitely some decisions to be made, you know, assuming there is life insurance proceeds coming, you know, do we pay mm-hmm. off the mortgage or do we keep that money available to take time off work? And, you know, essentially we have a, a, an influx of cash to where we could potentially afford to scale back at work temporarily to be home with the family. Um, you know, do we set a chunk of money aside for college for the kids or do we just keep saving regularly for college? You know, some of those financial planning decisions, that's where having that financial advisor in your life can be super helpful or a good time to get in touch at that point, um, you know, it's in a morbid way, you know, I wouldn't equate it to like winning the lottery at all, but you have that, like an inheritance essentially coming in. If if it's proceeds from life insurance or heck, if it's, you know, parents that have passed away and they're leaving their money to you, um, you know, how can we be prudent with that to not only just from a financial standpoint, but also just from a well-being standpoint. If you're now a single parent, and uh, you may not want to keep working full time. And can we afford to do that? I don't know. So that's where um, I guess maybe transitioning into the, the life insurance aspect of it uh, is mm-hmm. super important. So if there is a need at all, uh, a financial burden that will be placed on anyone with your passing, or if you will be burdened financially by someone else's passing, let's make sure we have life insurance on uh, yourself and and you know, others who, who you depend on. Yep. And there's a couple of other episodes that you all can listen to. There's one specifically on life insurance. There's one specifically on estate planning, setting up a will, maybe a trust, those kinds of things. So we'd encourage you to go back and listen to those episodes specifically. But just some short notes, like on the life insurance, 
I, f- I feel like many people understand, especially with young dependents, that they have a need to protect them and to secure some life insurance. But a lot of people have a number in their head. Like, I thought I needed a million dollars of life insurance, and that was just this round number that they had in their head. And they don't necessarily spend a lot of time thinking, what would this look like if it happened? Like, what kind of resources would I need? What would I need to rebuild my financial plan? How much time would I want to take off from work? I think that can be especially true when we're talking about like not the primary breadwinner in the household. Like if you're thinking about insuring your partner and they are not the primary breadwinner, it doesn't seem like there's as large of a need for life insurance and maybe there's not as big of a need because they don't bring in that much income. But if them not being there makes it that you can work less or that you'd rather work less or, you know, that there's other financial burdens like childcare and things like that, there's still a really big need there. So as hard as it might be, just kind of thinking through what that situation might look like if someone were to pass early and then kind of building out that life insurance need from there, that is going to probably put you in a much better position as far as how much coverage you have and and whether or not it's adequate enough. We don't want our family to be in a position where, where we're gone, this is the limited resources we have, and now we have tough choices to make because it's really not enough to, to support us the way that we would have hoped to be supported. But Yeah, and well, let's maybe dive into that for a second and do some quick back-of-the-napkin math for people. Like to really, mm-hmm. you know, you, you might be able to just start thinking of numbers, but if something happens... You know, if you're married and both of you are on the mortgage, the bank's either going to want you, the surviving spouse, to refinance or pay it off because they don't want to have a dead person on the loan. And depending on your circumstances, you may not have the income or the means to qualify for that mortgage in your own name. So paying it off might be the only option. So, you know, maybe between mortgage, car loans, other debts, let's say we have $500,000 uh, on the balance sheet and debts. Um, you know, then when we talked about the childcare piece, maybe, you know, kids were in daycare or part-time now as a single parent, you might want like a nanny or full-time childcare. It's just for a round number. Say we're spending, if we have two or three kids, you know, maybe 50,000 a year for, I don't know, a decade. So that's another 500,000 right out of the gate. So just to cover debts and some childcare, we're at a million dollars. You know, do we want to set money aside for college or not? That's another expense. And then the living expenses component. You know, if we need to, how long do we need to cover that for? You know, depending on your income or spouse's income, you know, they may, if they're working, they may be able to cover some of it, but maybe not. You know, if we're, let's say we need, you know, 50 to $100,000 a year of just to spend, some of you spend more than that. Um, if we want that to last for 20, 30, 40, 50 years? Do we want our you know, surviving spouse to feel like they have to remarry or not? Um, you know, we're, we're, we're getting well into the two, three, four, five million dollar range at this point, depending on circumstances. So you know, it is pretty eye-opening when you really start to add things up. You know, some people think, oh, you know, pay off the mortgage and, you know, leave a little money behind for childcare. Well, if you have a stay-at-home spouse, what are they, like, do they have to go back to work? Do they have to remarry? How are they going to save for retirement? Like, we need to set some money aside, you know, for, for those things potentially too. So that, that number can really start to add up. And yeah, really, I think working with a professional or, or, or doing some, some 
some serious thinking and math to, to get a number for yourself would give you that answer to how much you actually might need. And another strategy that we'll see that folks will uh, do with life insurance, you know, picture your life insurance need like a skewed bell curve. You know, when you're young and single, no dependents, there really isn't a need. And then for most people, late 20s, early to mid 30s, that's when if they get married and have kids, that's usually when it starts happening. Then the need explodes because you don't have a whole lot saved up, but you know, you've got a young family and, 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 and that's where the need is the greatest. So we need the most life insurance early on in our, our, our careers, essentially, um, or you know, in our family's lives. And then as we gradually build up assets and pay down debts and kids get older and we get older, you know, the need tapers off. So you know, we need most of our coverage early on and gradually less and less. So some people might say, I, I anticipate having a need for the next 30 years until we're able to retire but we probably don't need $4 million for the full 30 years. Maybe just for like the first decade, we need that much. And then after that, we need a little less and then a little less. So we could see people stagger term policies. Maybe you get, um, for, for an easy example, three $1 million term policies. One of them lasts 10 years, one of them lasts 20 years, and one lasts 30 years. So that way, for the first decade, you have a total of $3 million worth of coverage when the need's greatest. From years 10 to 20, the total drops down to $2 million because the 10-year policy expires. And then after year 20, you have $1 million remaining for the final decade, the home stretch, you know, until presumably we're able to retire and we've saved up enough. And that can bring, keep costs a little more affordable than if you got all of your coverage for a full 30-year term. Any other thoughts there, Rochelle? It's also something that's worth revisiting over time. So when you originally make your financial plan, you think you have it all figured out, but things change over time. So, you know, maybe five years after you secure your original policies, maybe you're not as far along paying down your debts as you thought you would be, or maybe you've done better. Maybe like you're in a better financial situation than you expected you would be. So you can make adjustments along the way with life insurance, like a huge part of the cost and your ability to qualify for it is based on your age and your health. So like trying to make sure at the beginning you're securing as, as much as you think you will need is always the best strategy. But if we do need to layer on more later, it's definitely worth looking into. And if your health has remained the same, it could be, you know, just a, a tiny bit more expensive than it was when you originally got it. So it may be worth it to look into more. Um, definitely something worth exploring if you just realize that it, it's not quite going as expected. Or, or maybe even small things like, your mortgage payment is, is slightly larger than you expected. You ended up moving into a larger home or we ended up having more kids than we thought because, you know, baby number three turned out to be twins and now we have four kids. You know, like the unpredictable things happen. So definitely worth revisiting over time. But Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a, a, a constant theme in review meetings that I'll do with clients. We'll review a, a policy that they got five or 10 years ago. They got a 20-year term and there's only 10 years remaining on it, but they just had a kid a couple years prior. So our term coverage is going to expire before our kid's in middle school. Is that How do we feel about that? We might <laughs> want to re-up on and get a, a fresh 20-year or restart the clock. And like Rochelle said, if, you're, if your health is still 
similar to what it was. You know, yeah, you're a little bit older. Maybe you put on a couple extra pounds, but overall, most people, you know, it's not too drastic. Unfortunately, some folks do have some some serious changes in health or, or have a diagnosis that that can be a big red flag for insurance companies. That's why we encourage people to get life insurance as early as possible, sometimes even before you think you'll need it. You know, when you're single, if you know you want to get married and have kids, well, let's use your age and your health to your advantage and lock in some inexpensive coverage while you can qualify for the best rates possible. Um, One perk right now to COVID, if there is one, is that (laughs) life insurance companies have actually made it a lot easier to get life insurance. Um, a lot of companies now, if your application looks pretty good and, and you have a pretty clean slate of health based on that, they'll waive the the mini health exam that is typically required to apply for life insurance. And, and you can get, in some cases, up to $2 million without having to do any lab work or, or physical. Um, so definitely encourage you guys to, to revisit your life insurance. If it's enough, great. If it lasts long enough, great. Um, but if you think you might need a little bit more or, or have policies that last a little bit longer, now could be a great time to do that without uh, the usual hoops to jump through. Yeah. I think the other big piece of planning for an unexpected death is the whole estate plan will designating like a custodian for your kids if if you're not around anymore a and guardian. your partner's son. That's what I meant. I know. I knew that was the wrong word. Guardian. That's what I meant to say. Yes. You might need a custodian for any accounts. Your kids are assets. (laughs) Yes. A custodian for the accounts that are earmarked for your kids. Yes. But a guardian to guard over them. (laughs) I do think that setting up an estate plan, having something in place, having clear instructions for your family if you were to pass is like a gift that you give them. You know, if they don't have to think about all the things because you already laid out really clear instructions and you have an attorney that they can call to help just start implementing those instructions, that is going to be so much easier for them. So even for people that are young and single, I think getting an estate plan in place is a good idea because part of that is like medical directives. It's, you know, allowing people to make decisions for you if you're incapacitated, things that are very relevant even for folks that don't necessarily have dependents. But the other piece of it, the big piece of it is designating that guardian if you do have kids and you want to make sure that the people that are taking care of them are the people that that you think will do it the way you want them to. <laughs> you know, like no one's going to do it exactly the way that you would. No one's going to raise your kids exactly the way that that you would do it. But, you know, if you have a little bit of control over how they're raised, obviously that that's going to give you some peace of mind. Um, and to be clear, like courts like at the state level have a, a clear system in place. If you pass without a will, like there is a line that they'll go down that basically like, you know, next of kin that's designated or, or whatever to, to take care of your kids. But and it's not like they're going to be left in the wind and like <laughs> or anything like that. But but still, like it, you have much less control in that situation. And your family probably has a much harder time deciding what to do because they don't know what you would have chosen. And that can lead to family bickering and and court battles if one side of the family thought you would have wanted one thing, but another side of the family claims you would have wanted another thing, and then attorneys get involved, and that's how they make a lot of money, and it drains the value of your estate because they're paying for it with your money. 
Um, so yeah, really helpful. Again, like Rochelle said, it's a gift to your family, a gift to your kids to have that estate plan because it outlines how you want things to play out, what your wishes and desires are, how you want your kids to be cared for. You know, you don't have to go super in detail, like, you know, make sure you feed them broccoli every Thursday. Uh, but you you know, (laughs) or you could, if you want to, yeah, you, you stipulate it in your, your living trust. The guardian must feed broccoli to your children every Thursday, (laughs) carrots on Tuesdays, at least one vegetable every day. Um, but, uh, where are we going? So yeah, so stipulate what you want to have happen, how you want your kids to be cared for, how you want money to be handled. Um, you know, or, or where is it going? Uh, you have a say in all that stuff. If you don't outline it on paper, then a judge in a courtroom makes those decisions for you, and they may not necessarily make the decision that you would have made if you had a say in the matter. So you do have a say in the matter. You just have to be proactive about it and write it all out before you perish in order for it to get played out. And then, you know, making sure that the important parties know where the will or estate plan or trust is. So that's where at the beginning we talked about having that single page document that, that your family knows where to find that says, here's where you can get the will. It's in the safety deposit box or it's in the safe or it's, you know, hidden under the mattress or contact my estate planning attorney. They have it in a secure online document. Um, you know, your financial advisor may have a copy, you know, wherever it's held, just know where it is so that you can get a copy. Um, and so things can be, uh, played out as desired based on that instruction manual. Cause that's basically what an estate plan is. It's just an instruction manual for how you want things to go when you go. Yeah. So I would say short list in preparation for <laughs> an early passing would be get your life insurance in place, get your estate plan in place, get a document in place that kind of outlines a few brief steps that people can take immediately, and then make sure that the people that you want responsible know where all of that stuff is. Like if no one knows where it is, it's not helpful. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, maybe it can even all be together. You know, maybe your life insurance policies, your estate plan, and then that one page document right on top. Like, here's the stuff, but you should probably just call these people first to figure out the stuff for you. (laughs) But, you know, as simple as we can make it. Yep. Yeah. For further listening, I think the estate planning episode was number 10 back in December of 2019. And I believe the life insurance one was number four back in the fall of 2019. So go ahead and check those out, re-listen to them if you if it's been a while since you did the first go around. Um, hopefully we sound better and more polished now than we did in the early days of our of our podcasting, but uh, some valuable info in those older ones for sure. But yeah, thank you all for listening. Uh, thanks for those of you who have given us five star ratings and reviewed the podcast. Definitely appreciate it um, and appreciate you sharing the love. So don't hesitate to email or get in contact with us if you want us to talk about anything specific. Um, either reach out, find us on social media, or you can always email podcast at thefinitygroup.com. Yep. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us too. I know this stuff isn't necessarily something you can get in order all by yourself. If you need help, ask for help. Yep. Thank you for listening. Have a good one. Bye, everyone. 
We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing podcast at thefinitygroup.com or by following Finity Group on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Finity Group LLC. You can follow me on Twitter at Corey Janoff CFP, Instagram at Corey Janoff, or on LinkedIn under my name, Corey Janoff. You can follow me on Twitter at Rochelle Finance or on Instagram, Vanderzan and Rochelle, or on LinkedIn under my name, Rochelle Vanderzan. Check out all of the podcast episodes on the affinitygroup.com slash podcast on our Affinity Group YouTube channel or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to check out our financial clarity blog at affinitygroup.com slash blog. Thanks for listening to this episode of Financial Clarity for Doctors by Affinity Group LLC.